So I got, I got a little trouble today. Got a little problem. I'm wondering, I need you all to help me. Do we have any, like, real spiritual people in the house? Do we have anybody in the house that loves Jesus? But this is what I need. Is there anybody here who knows your Bible? Nobody? Anybody here got a Bible? Did you bring it with you? Okay, good. I'm going to need you to pull it out. Because I need some help today. See, see, here's the problem. I don't care what version you got. I need all the help I can get. You know, there's, a, a, um, there's a, an older woman that comes every once in a while, and while I'm preaching, she sits back there and says, Help him, Lord. Help him, Lord. Well, I need her here today. I need somebody saying, Help him, Lord. See, I've been, I, I've been, the, I've been the pastor of Living Hope Christian Center for, t- for nearly 10 years now. Yeah, praise Jesus. Matter of fact, on January 4th, 2014, we're going to celebrate our 10-year anniversary. Praise Jesus. Amen. And in all of my years, now, in my years as pastor of Living Hope, I've preached some good sermons. And I preached some bad sermons. Come on, I ain't going to lie. I know, I know that if you want to encourage me, you would say, oh, no, pastor, never. But in the back of your mind, you could think of one. <laughs> Everybody has some duds once in a while. But whether I preached a good sermon or a bad sermon, I've never gotten up here without having a word. I've always had a word from the Lord, whether I knew how to deliver it or not. But today, I'm in trouble. Because, see, it's been a busy week. And I just didn't have time to get in my Bible. You know, and I was reading the Bible, but nothing was jumping off the page saying, preach me. You know? And so, uh, I woke up last night. I was sweating bullets at midnight. It's like, Lord, what am I going to do? thought about calling Pastor Joseph, but I thought I can't do that to him. And so, uh, you know, I was like, man, if he got a word, I might need to just hand it over to him. Do you have a word? You got a word? Do you have a word, though? You got a word? You got a word? Well, hold it for just a second. No, no. See, what we'll do is you'll be, you'll be the... the um, You'll be my uh, a safety net. Because okay. right. I, I do have something. I do got something. Li- I mean, it's, it's very little. It's not, it's not anything, but it's just, it's just something. We'll try it out, and if it works, we'll go with it. But if not, I might have to hand this over to you at any time. So just be getting your, getting your, your verses ready because you might need to do this. So this morning, this is, it was so confusing. This morning, sometimes the Lord can be so confusing. This morning, the only thing the Lord gave me was, I was walking out the door of my house coming here, and the Lord said, talk about the rebellion of Joshua. The rebellion of Joshua. That's all I got, the rebellion of Joshua. And the whole drive here, now I know the Bible pretty well. I was racking my brain to try to figure out what the rebellion of Joshua is. Now, the rebellion of Joshua can mean one of two things. It could mean the time when Joshua rebelled. Or it can mean the time when the people of Israel rebelled against Joshua. So here's what I need. Everybody here, get out your Bibles and try to find the place where Joshua rebelled. And everybody over here, get out your Bibles and try to find the place. We're going we're gonna to put this message together. Together. <laughs> You're going to help me put this. So you guys find the place where Israel rebelled against Joshua. Because see, when I got to church, I got out my concordances. And I searched. And I couldn't find any place in the Bible where either Joshua rebelled 
or where Israel rebelled against Joshua. And I said, Lord, you're sending me on a wild goose chase. You know what I felt like? I felt like when my dad, when I was a little kid, my dad used to send me to the garage to get stuff. He would always send me to get something I couldn't find. Son, go to the garage and get me my uh, Xavier screwdriver. It's got to be a particular. Oh, dad, I found no screwdriver. No, no, I need my Xavier screwdriver. Like, well, Dad, I couldn't find it. Well, you better find it, because if I go in there and find it, it's going to be you and me. I felt like the Lord sent me to find something that I just couldn't find. And that just kind of has me a little confused. God wants me to talk this morning about the rebellion of Joshua, but I can't find any rebellion in Joshua. Because there's no place where Joshua rebelled. When everybody else rebelled, Joshua didn't rebel. You remember Joshua was one of the 12 spies that Moses sent in to spy out the promised land. And, and when the 12 spies came back, the 10 of them brought a negative report and rebelled against the Lord. But Joshua and Caleb were the ones that didn't rebel. Matter of fact, Joshua said, we're very able. Let's go take it right now. And matter of fact, Joshua and Caleb were the two that survived of their entire generation. Everybody else's bodies dropped in the wilderness. Joshua and Caleb made it. Why? Because they refused to rebel. So how am I going to talk about the rebellion of Joshua? There is no rebellion in Joshua. Wait, 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 hold on a second. This is starting to make sense to me. Oh, hold on, hold on. Wait a second. Ah, I see what the Lord is doing. There is no rebellion in Joshua. Maybe that's the message. There is no rebellion in Joshua. I, you know what? This is making sense. It's starting to come to me right now. There is no rebellion in Joshua. That's the message. Amen. There's no rebellion in Joshua. Ah, you know, a while ago, I read Joshua chapter 1. Long time ago. And God kept saying to Joshua, what I noticed is that God kept saying, be strong and take courage. Don't fear. Don't be dismayed. For the Lord will go before you wherever you go. And he said in verse 5, no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. And you know what? That makes sense. When God says no one can stand before you all the days of your life, I got it. God told me to look for the rebellion of Joshua because he wanted me to see that there is no rebellion in Joshua. And, but what's that got to do with us? Okay, let me ask the Lord. Lord, what's that got to do with us? Ah, I got it. You know what it has to do with us? That God wants to release a Joshua anointing. Amen. Man, this is good. I need to preach like this more often. Amen. Lord, don't give me a word from now on until I get here. I've got to put it together on the spot. This is, this is, listen, God wants to give a Joshua anointing that makes you strong and courageous so that no one will ever be able to stand before you all the days of your life. The Joshua anointing makes you impervious to opposition. The Joshua anointing will give you victory in every circumstance. The Joshua anointing makes you strong and courageous, but something doesn't work here. Because if you read the book of Joshua, he's always at war. I mean, it's war after war after war after war after war. The whole book of Joshua is about war. That was his role. He was a man of war. So how does that work? Ah, okay, I got it, I got it. There's a difference between war and rebellion. When you read the story of Moses, Deuteronomy, Numbers, Exodus, Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, those three books of the Bible, you know what you find in the life of Moses? Rebellion. 
after rebellion, after rebellion, after rebellion, after rebellion, after rebellion. And when the, it was time for the people to go to war, God said, no, Moses, they're not ready for war yet. Why were they not ready for war? Because they were too busy dealing with rebellion. You see, war is external. Rebellion is internal. Under Moses, the people of Israel were in constant rebellion, meaning inside the camp there was rebellion. There was the rebellion of Korah in Numbers chapter 16. He rose up against Moses, and God swallowed him up in the earth. There was the rebellion. Even Miriam and Aaron, even even Moses' own brother and sister rebelled against him. And matter of fact, throughout the entire entire, uh, Exodus narrative, the people of Israel are rebelling against Moses again and again and again and again and again. And that's why they weren't ready for war. They couldn't win any battle on the outside because they were too busy trying to win battles on the inside. And I think the word of the Lord today is that some of you here are wondering why you can't win battles on the outside. It's because you got too many battles going on on the inside. That is, you can't win a war external to you if you can't put down the rebellion that is internal to you. I think you're going to have to hold on to that word, Joseph, because I, th- you know, put those verses away because I think, I think the Lord is clarifying this. So in the time of Moses, there's rebellion and no war. But in the time of Joshua, there's war, but no rebellion. And the word of the Lord to you today is that God wants to bring you out of the season of Moses and into the season of Joshua. He wants to take you out of the time of rebellion because some of you have been singing this song. You know, when I was growing up, there was a song we used to sing that said, He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be. He's still working on me. Isn't it funny that he made creation in a week, but it's going to take him the rest of my life to form me into the image of Jesus Christ. And some of us are dealing with so much stuff on the inside of our life that we can't face any of the battles on the outside of our life. And here's the key. The key is that when you settle the rebellion on the inside of your heart, you can handle the war on the outside of your heart. I love Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And then he said this. When my enemies come against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. And this is the part that gets me. Though an army encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this will I be confident. You know, what? in the ancient world, if you wanted to take a city, you would encamp against it. An army would come and surround a city can't get in the walls that's okay the army doesn't need to get in the walls of your city to destroy it they just need to encamp around it and an army would encamp around your city for like three years you know what they would do cut off everything going in and everything coming out within two years the people are starving to death on the inside there's no food cut off the water supplies cut off the food supplies nothing gets in nothing gets out And then by the time the people start starving to death, at some point somebody opens the gate and tries to run for it, and then the army gets in and destroys the whole city. David said, though an army encamp against me, my heart will not fear. 
If you woke up tomorrow morning and looked out your window and saw an army encamping against your city, your heart would fear. I know mine would. But David said, my heart won't fear. Why? That's external. That's outside of me. An army that encamps against my external is no match to the power of my internal. Dealing with rebellion. So God comes to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1. He says, be strong and of good courage. He says, be strong and take courage. Some of you are praying for courage when you need to take it. It's not going to come to you. You got to take it. Be strong and take courage. Some of you, God is standing there with courage in his hand saying, here you go. Here you go. But you just won't take it. Be strong and take courage. And then he says, do not fear nor be dismayed. He's talking about the strength of the inner man. Notice that in Joshua 1, God is not coming to Joshua with military strategies. He's got this whole campaign of warfare ahead of him, but God is not interested in giving him military strategies. Instead, he's giving him an internal strategy. Be strong. God, what's the strategy? We're going to take the nations. How are we going to do it? Be strong. Take courage. Don't fear. Don't be dismayed. Know that I'm going with you. No man will ever stand before you all the days of your life. That's the strategy. Be strong. Take courage. Don't fear. Don't be dismayed. One of my favorite passages of Scripture is Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 and following. Paul says, For this reason I bow my knee before the Father, from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And I pray that out of his glorious riches, he might strengthen you with might in your inner being by his spirit so that Christ might dwell in your heart through faith. He wants to strengthen you with might in your inner being. You know, I had a guy attack me recently. Not physically, but with his words. Sometimes that can hurt worse. And he would always come to my Facebook wall and put foolishness up. But I've learned that I've got an anti-foolishness anointing. I don't allow people to put foolishness on my Facebook wall. See, what you need to know about your faith, what the Lord wants you to know about your Facebook wall, is that your Facebook wall is your Facebook wall. It's not everybody else's Facebook wall. If you want to put foolishness, put it on your own wall. But don't put it on my wall, because I will delete it. And so this guy, I, I took it for a while. He would just, little jabs, little jabs, little jabs, little jabs. You're proud. You're arrogant. You're this. You're that. You're proud. You're this. See, you're a self-promoter. You're this. You're that. And finally, he crossed the line, and he, he wrote this whole message. And I deleted it, and I banned him from my Facebook page. And then I sent him a private message, and I said, quote, Your comments are consistently negative and somewhat trollish. Therefore, I have banned you from my page. Have a good life. Can I get a witness? We're going to cast out some Facebook trolls today. We're going to deal with it. (laughs) And then he wrote this whole long message. Yeah. You're this and you're that. I said, well, listen, I'm not interested in your opinion of me. Thank you. And he wrote back. I'm not interested in yours either, you arrogant. And I wrote, 
good. I'm not giving you my opinion of, of, of you. I've never given you my opinion of you. And then he wrote, you're blah, blah, blah. You're stupid and you're an idiot. You're blah, blah. He wrote all of this stuff, right? And I was like, wow, okay. All right. So I thought, I'm not going to call him a name. Just forget it. I just walked away. Forget it, right? That has no effect on me, right? No, it, it has some effect on me. Because even though this guy is not even in my hemisphere, as far as location, I mean, I'm, I, there's no chance I'm going to run into him at Safeway, right? Why do his words have an effect on me? His words shouldn't have any effect on me. Now, thankfully, if this were five years ago, his words would have, like, really damaged me. Or maybe ten years ago, his words would have really hurt me. Maybe twelve. But his words would have really, his words would have really hurt me. And maybe they had seven to eight percent of the effect that they would have had twelve years ago. But they still had an effect. Because when I got that message, I was just getting ready to go preach. And right before preaching, I get this message. You're an arrogant SOB. You're a blah, 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 blah. Have you ever been assaulted verbally and it hurt? Even though you knew that it wasn't true? You know why it still hurt? Because that little bit of fear on the inside of your heart becomes an open door between your outer man and your inner man. Because that little place in your heart where you're wrestling with it. Well, am I proud? Am I arrogant? Am I a self-promoter? Am I? As long as there's a little question there, a door remains open between your inner man and your outer man. But watch this. I'm going to demonstrate something that's going to set you free right now. Are you ready for this? Um, um, Amani. I almost said Armani. Stand up, Amani. Stand up. Everybody look at Amani. I think, yeah, face the crowd. I think we can all agree that Amani, our friend Amani here, is Chinese. Amani, you are Chinese. You are so Chinese. All your life you thought you were black. You ain't black. You're Chinese. Right? <laughs> Have a seat. Thank you, Amani. Everybody laughed when I said that, right? But if I would have stood Joseph up, stand up, Pastor Joseph. You're stupid and ignorant. Everybody gets quiet. Everybody gets quiet. But if I say, you're Chinese, everybody laughs. I said it with exactly the same voice. Sit down. You're not stupid. You're not ignorant. You're, you're intelligent, smart, handsome, and wise. <laughs> Words hurt you only when you have a modicum of fear on the inside of your heart that there's some truth to them. When I said she's Chinese, it, it, everybody laughed. It didn't do anything to her or to you. But when I said he was stupid... Even though you knew I was joking, some of you in your heart, oh, Lord, don't joke like that. That was not nice. But I say, you're Chinese. Now, if Amani had been nursing a little fear on the inside of her heart, maybe I am Chinese. Hold on a second. I'm the fifth child. And statistically, one out of every five children are Chinese. 
maybe I am. Oh, no. All these years I thought I was black. I'm going to have to get a new haircut. New friends. I'm going to have to dress differently. New style of food. When your inner man is strong, you become impervious to every kind of verbal assault. It means that it closes the door. The strength of your inner man is the closing of the door between your inner man and your outer man. And the strength of your inner being is the ability to separate what you do from who you are. So that even if you fail at something external, you don't have to feel like a failure internally. And even if somebody says, you're a failure, you say, no. In your heart, you do, I mean, you just smile. It'd be like they said, you're Chinese. Unless you are Chinese. <laughs> and by the way, to those of you who are Chinese, I apologize for using that. I like Chinese people. <laughs> and food. Some of my best friends are Chinese. Just thought I'd get it out there. <laughs> Psalm 46, 1. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in time of trouble. Therefore, we will not be moved. Amen. Got that? We will not be moved. But it goes on and says, though the earth give way. And the mountains crumble and fall into the midst of the sea, though the oceans roar with their surging. You hear that? We will not be moved, but the earth will give way. And the mountains will crumble and fall into the midst of the sea, and the oceans will roar with their surging. You know, you go through times in your life where the earth begins to give way. Where your marriage begins to give way where your finances begin to give way, where your kids begin to give way, where the mountains begin to crumble. You know what the mountains are? The earth is the place that's under your feet. Whatever causes you to feel secure, when it begins to give way, you're tempted to be shaken. And the mountains crumble. The mountains are those places of achievement and those, those things that you've built up for yourself and for your future. Maybe your savings is a mountain in your life. Maybe your education is a mountain in your life. But the mountains sometimes begin to crumble and fall into the midst of the sea. When everything you've built up begins to fall apart and fall into the midst of the sea. And then the oceans begin to surge and begin to rage and the oceans represent the people around you. When the people around you begin to naysay you. The psalmist says, we will not be moved. Yeah, the earth's given way, but we will not be moved. Can you truly say that you're not moved when the earth gives way? You know why we're not moved? Because the earth giving way is external. But God is my refuge and strength, and that refuge is internal. It's an internal strength that allows me to deal with external threats. And here's the key. We don't ignore external threats. Joshua, was in ev Joshua went from war to war, from battle to battle, from warfare to warfare, but he had the wisdom to wage the good warfare because he had peace enough in his heart 
to sustain it. Some of you have been crying out to God to shift your external circumstances. And what God wants to shift is your heart. You've been crying out to God to change something. God wants to change you. I love her laugh. (laughs) Moses dealt with the rebellion so that Joshua could deal with the warfare. You know, there's a generation that came before you that handled the, the rebellion dealt with all of the rebellion, dealt with all of the internal stuff. It's funny. I talked to my dad, and, and uh, people have always said, man, you're so confident, and you're so, you know, you're so um, confident. <laughs> but that's because from the time I was a little boy, I would see my dad, and my dad was just so confident. And he just had this air about him, this, just this air of majesty about him. You know, he would just walk in a room and he would command respect. And I remember talking to him about it and he said, son, I fought all kinds of fear to get there. He said, I didn't always carry that authority. I felt so little. And he was telling me how it wasn't until he got into his 30s, he had to break through all of these things and he came into greater and greater levels of confidence fighting through all of these barriers of fear. But I was able to walk in that confidence at 16, 17 years old because he fought through it when he was 16, 17 years old and came into it when he was in his 30s. You know, there's a sense in which you're Moses because there's a generation coming up after you and the stuff that you're battling and the rebellion that you're dealing with in your own heart, you're going to break through it so that the next generation doesn't have to deal with it. But there's also a degree to which you're Joshua. And the generation before you won battles that you don't have to fight anymore. When we're talking about rebellion, we're talking about internal stuff that hinders you. When we're talking about warfare, we're talking about external stuff that causes you to make progress. And so many of us can't make progress on the outside because we're too busy getting tripped up on the inside. We get tripped up with fear. The thing you need to understand is that every sin has a natural root. In charismatic Christianity, we've talked for too long about the spiritual root. We need to throw that out. First comes the natural and then the spiritual. There's a natural root to every sin. The way we've dealt with sin in the past in the charismatic movement is by looking for a demon. What? You're doing what? Okay, let's cast that out. Come out of him! You know what? We deal with demons when they appear, when they crop up. If a demon starts talking, we will command it to go. But we don't look for demons under every rock. In actuality, what we need to do is reverse and flip the script. Instead of looking for a demon under every sin, we need to look for a sin under every demon. Even when somebody does begin to manifest a demon, we don't immediately attack the demon, but we look for what's underneath it. You remember in Acts chapter 8 when Peter was dealing with Elemas the sorcerer? Peter and John were laying hands on people. They were receiving the Holy Spirit. And Elemas the sorcerer approached them and, said, and offered them money so that that same power would be given to them, given to him. And Peter said, your money perish with you, for you thought the gift of God could be bought with money. For I perceive that you have been poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. You see that? 
He didn't say, for I perceive that you are full of the devil, full of Satan, and you got demons. we got to cast them out. He says, no, your problem is bitterness. Somewhere long ago, you got hurt, and you became bitter about it. And because you've been poisoned by bitterness, you've been bound by iniquity. His external rebellion started with an internal rebellion. It started with just a little bit of bitterness on the inside of his heart that he allowed to fester. And that bitterness festered and got infected, and it turned into full-blown iniquity in his heart. But underneath it, he was hurt. He was in pain. I was talking to somebody recently who said, I've got, a, I've got an issue with lying. I can't stop lying. And I catch myself lying. And they say, why did I say that? And I said, the problem underneath it is fear. You're afraid. And that's why you lie. Now, you can try to resist lying for the rest of your life, or you can break the stronghold of fear off of your life. When the fear goes, the lies will go. Why? Because telling the truth is a form of confidence. And confidence is only possible where there's no fear. Whatever's underneath it, we got to get to the root. But to get to the root, we're simply looking at an aspect of weakness in the inner man. You know what another form of rebellion in the inner man is? It's unbelief. You know what unbelief is, right? We experience it every day. We just don't acknowledge it. Unbelief is that little nagging feeling that nothing's happening here. You ever started praying for something and felt nothing's happening here? And what do you feel like when you, when you feel like nothing's happening here? What do you want to do? You want to quit praying, right? You start praying for somebody who's sick. Do you feel any better? Nope. Everything inside you goes, oh, well, time to move on. Looking at 1 Corinthians 15, 58 in this morning's devotion. And it says, therefore, be steadfast, immovable, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. In vain. In vain. You know, that's my biggest fear. See, because I'm not a very naturally disciplined person. Can I get a witness? I I hate discipline. See, for me, Discipline's got to have a purpose. For my wife, she likes to be disciplined for discipline's sake. To me, if there ain't no purpose, I ain't doing it. I ain't doing it. Now, now, you know, so right now I'm, on a, I'm, I'm doing a juice detox, okay? So some of you notice that I've been dropping weight like crazy, and I've lost 19 pounds. Yeah, praise hallelujah. Yeah. And uh, I'm just preparing for my wife's return. That's all. She's coming back from Indonesia on Tuesday. Got to get myself ready. You know what I'm saying? (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) Yesterday morning, I woke up just inflamed with lust for a T-bone steak. And I, I've, I was fantasizing about the whole thing. In my mind's eye, I went down to Safeway. I bought the biggest T-bone steak I could find. I took it back to the house. I marinated it in beer overnight. And then I seasoned it to perfection. And then I threw it on that grill, and I grilled it perfectly, medium rare. Mm. Pulled it off that grill and got a little bit of A1 steak sauce. And me and that T-bone became one flesh. All in my mind's eye. 
Last night in my dream, I was eating fudge cookies all night long. Eating fudge cookies. I woke up in the morning. Oh, it was a dream. You know what's the worst for me, though? I did a diet one time for 30 days. And uh, it was a diet, not a fast. Where I was dieting and exercising. I only lost one pound. You know how disappointing that is? To exert all of your self-discipline and the result is one pound. I was like, one pound? I could lose that by taking a laxative. I don't need to diet and exercise for that. I just need a little milk of magnesia. That's all I need for that. One pound? Man, forget that mess. If it's not working, I'm not doing it. If I want to eat the steak and I don't eat the steak, there better be a dang good reason for not eating that steak. And I better see the benefit. If I don't see the benefit, I'm eating that steak. Can I get a witness? Does anybody feel me up in here? You know what I'm talking about? Discipline for discipline's sake doesn't make any... And see, this is the thing. You know, right now I'm not eating meat and all this stuff. But that's not forever. That's not forever. See, I'm going to lose this weight. I'm going to establish a healthy lifestyle. And then I'm going to find out what my limits are. To stay within the weight that I need to stay. How much do I need to exercise? And how much of the good stuff can I eat? And I will eat that and not a bite more. Because there's purpose to my discipline. But have you ever felt like you disciplined yourself and it was in vain? All for nothing? I mean, nothing happened. Nothing. And, and we all have those, test, those, those, you know, those examples. You heard the story, right? Everybody here heard the story about that guy, you know, who ran eight miles a day, was extremely rigorous in his diet, ate only the healthiest foods, and then died of a heart attack at 45 years old. You heard that story, right? You heard about that guy, right? Right. right. Yeah, if you haven't heard that one, you've heard one like it. You got your own version of that story. We all have those stories of those outliers. And don't we tend to use them as, their, as our examples? Yes, we do. How come you're not eating right? Well, this guy ate right and he still died. How come you don't pray every day? Well, this guy prayed every day. His family still fell apart. How come you don't go to school and get your degree? Well, this guy has a degree and he ain't got a job. Always somebody that we know who did the thing that we know we should be doing, but we let ourselves off the hook because they did it in vain. And what we don't realize is that that is what unbelief is. Unbelief is the idea that doing this is in vain. I can pray, but it's in vain. God ain't going to do nothing. I can diet, but I ain't going to do no good. I'm not going to lose no weight. And if I do lose it, I'll just gain it back. Why? Because I'm going to go back to eating the way I was. Are we prophesying over ourselves all the time? Just speaking these false prophecies over this negative. It's called witchcraft. The weakness of the inner man first comes from fear, but secondly, it comes from unbelief. Unbelief says that I, should, I might as well just not do what I'm doing externally. See, the reason what you're doing externally is failing is because you don't believe it's going to succeed internally. There's an open door between your outer man and your inner man. Your inner man has already cursed the work of your outer man. 
The, have you ever, you ever do anything and you say in your heart before you do it, I know this ain't going to work, but I'm going to do it anyway. Why don't you reach out to that family member that you're estranged from? They don't want to talk to me anyway. So I'm, not, I'm just not going to call them. Fine, I'll call them, but watch. They ain't going to talk to me. Hello? Yeah, I didn't think you wanted to talk to me. Click, see, I told you. We don't realize that unbelief is killing our outer man. Some of you in this room, unbelief is killing your business, not the economy. Unbelief is killing your physical health, not your family genetics. We love blaming genetics, don't we? It's genetics. It's my genes. The doctors can't do nothing. It's my genes. I can eat as healthy as I want, but my genes... Need to change them jeans. <laughs> you need to put on a new pair of jeans and begin to participate in the divine nature. Get some of God's DNA up in there. Because we forget that it's not about our power, it's about God's power. God wants to get you ready for the warfare to come. This is the key to the word for today. And by the way, I was prepared. I was just pulling your leg earlier on. The word of the Lord for you today is that you're going into a Joshua season. The external struggles will not stop. Not yet. There's still a season. Your problems, the word of the Lord today is not that God is getting ready to fix them within 45 minutes. Some of you are coming to the end of your struggle. Others of you are just at the beginning of your struggle. But wherever you are in the process, know that what God is focusing on is not your outer circumstances, but your inner nature. He wants to deal with the rebellion in your heart. And specifically, God is going after fear and God is going after unbelief. He wants to root them out. He wants to give you the same strategy that he gave Joshua. Be strong. And this is the Joshua anointing that God is pouring out on this house today. He's pouring it out on every heart and every mind. The Joshua anointing. Be strong. Take courage. Don't fear. Don't be dismayed. No one will ever be able to stand before you all the days of your life. You've got to get that first guy out of your face. You know who that first guy is? You. You've been opposing yourself. Now you're going to agree with yourself. Let's pray. Bow your heads. Father, I just speak your blessing over this house today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I bless each and every one of these sons and daughters of yours. Right now, in the name of the Lord Jesus, I speak to fear. I command it to leave every heart and every mind. Some of you here today have been so bound up by fear. timidity you've been harboring questions in your heart questions about who you are questions about what you can do scripture says in Psalm 112 blessed is the man who fears the Lord who walks in his ways his descendants are mighty in the land the generation of the upright will be blessed wealth and riches are in his house and his righteousness endures forever 
He will have no fear of bad news. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. And I say that from this day forward, you will have no fear of bad news. Your heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. You're not going to harbor it. You're going to drive it out. No fear. Confidence in the Lord. Confidence in the Lord. You're going to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. You're going to put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. No fear. Secondly, God is removing unbelief. I know there's things that you've prayed for. Some of you have prayed for them for years. And some of you have prayed for things for minutes. But I want you to lay hold of faith today. And faith is not simply the decision to, be, to continue pressing. It is the decision to continue believing. It is to make a decision. I believe. I believe. And you know, sometimes our unbelief is so deep that we don't even know it's there. Our unbelief in so many different circumstances is so deep that we don't even realize that we're doubting. But just begin to walk in that direction. Just begin to take steps in that direction. You'll see if you have unbelief or not. If there's nothing on the inside of you that stops you from moving forward, you don't have any unbelief. But if there's something on the inside of you, that little nagging voice that says, stop, pull back, draw back. This isn't going to happen. This isn't working. That's unbelief. You know what faith does? Faith presses on. Faith presses on. And it's time to begin to press on today. Let me tell you something. No one will ever be able to stand against you all the days of your life. God says, as I was with Moses, so will I be with you. But only be strong and take courage. Be strong and take courage. And God has come to strengthen you today. Come on, just begin to, t- just begin to receive that Joshua anointing right now. He's coming to bring that Joshua anointing. The anointing of strength, no fear, no unbelief, confidence, confidence, an internal confidence that leads to an external confidence, a confidence in what God has put in you that translates into a confidence in what God is doing through you and for you. Lord, I break off every power of fear and unbelief. I break off every power of inferiority. Some of you have been carrying around inferiority in your heart. Maybe I am a failure. Maybe there's something wrong with me. I silence those voices today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's nothing wrong with you. There's something right with you. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. That's right. He comes into your heart through faith and he dwells there. That's right. He sends the Holy Spirit to live there. That's right. That's right. He pours out the Father's love there. That's right. There's something right with you. I speak strength and encouragement over your life today. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, be strong. Be strong. Be strong. Be strong. Father, strengthen every heart. Strengthen every mind. Strengthen every life. Encourage. Bless. And heal. We give you all of the glory for it. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Hallelujah. Let's all stand to our feet. Just lift up your hands to the Lord and sing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah Hallelujah
closed no one's looking around I just want to ask quickly before we go anybody here you're ready to open your heart and receive Jesus Christ in you don't know him as your Lord and Savior you're not walking with him but today you're ready to receive him if that's you just lift your hand right where you are you're ready I see that hand right there somebody else you say I'm ready I'm ready I see that hand but I and you already know Jesus as your Lord and Savior so I just I just affirm you in the truth that it's not about you receiving Christ because you've already received him and you're strong in him. I just speak that blessing over your life today, Ian, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not going to lift your hand to receive Christ ever again because you've got him and you're confident in that from this day forward. You will not doubt it. You will not question it. You won't move from it. You're established in the Lord. And I just establish each and every one of you that know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that you're saved. That your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. That you're strong and the word of God lives in you. And you've overcome the evil one. I just speak that blessing over your life today. In the name of Jesus, I strengthen you right now. I just remove those nagging questions. Some of you got nagging questions in your mind about your sexual identity. I break those nagging questions off of you right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You got nagging questions, those nagging questions. It's the weakness of your inner man. But I speak strength to your inner man right now. In Jesus' name, you will be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. You will put on the whole armor of God that you might stand against the wiles of the devil. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you for it today, God. Thank you for it today, God. We give you all of the praise and glory. We bless your holy name. Amen. Come on, give God a shout of praise. You got it? You got this? You got this. You got this. We're going to do this. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, we're going to do this. It's about to go down. Now, remember, next week on Sunday, we launched the second One Things Focus, physicality. Come and get ready. I want everybody to come to church next Sunday with your gym suit on. Come on, next Sunday, gym suit. Wear some sweatpants and a... Sweatshirt, a gym suit. Come on, everybody dress up. If you don't have a gym suit, go buy one. Go to Kmart. You can get one for like $15. All right? Yeah, next Sunday is going to be dress down Sunday. I'm going to be wearing a gym suit. Yeah, I'm really, for real. I'm serious. 
All right, bless you.